This is Anchor Points with Robert Quintana. God wants us to be happy. Every week, helping you discover the answers to some of life's biggest questions. There is a purpose for our lives. And applying them to help you grow closer in your walk with God. Messages straight from the pulpit of Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church of Frederick, Maryland. What's going to drive you to your knees? Is it going to be fear or is it going to be love? Feel free to discover more like this at ariseforgod.com. Some call it the blue screen of death. That ominous blue screen you get on your computer when something has gone terribly wrong. Or maybe you're trying to do too much and your device freezes. In those moments, the reset button is your best friend. They have the ability to press a few buttons and have that little device go back to factory settings. A chance to start over. Sometimes it requires a little time and a little rebuilding, but you're no longer held captive to the dismal outcome. And so when when you put it back in the box, it's like no one ever touched it. And this is exactly what it means to be born again. Jesus says to him, you need to understand that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whether or not you've taken that step to be born again, the idea can still cause confusion for some and remain foreign to others. And don't feel bad if it does. Even a really smart priest in Jesus' day, Nicodemus, he was a member of the Sanhedrin, was a bit perplexed. He had to ask Jesus how one could possibly be born again. Today, Robert Quintana begins a new series of messages that will unravel some of the confusion, misconceptions, and ultimately what it means to your future as he shares part one of Be Born Again. Has anyone here ever been confused? I think it's a question we all can relate to, right? I know there have been times in my life when I've been confused. I remember my senior year in high school, I was really, really confused. I wasn't sure what career path to take. I've been very open with you with my struggles into going into full-time ministry. My senior year in high school was a confusing year. I didn't know if to go into full-time ministry or if to follow my long life dream of being an engineer. I was confused. I was never really too confused with Heather. I saw her and I knew that's the woman I want to marry. And after meeting with her and getting to know her and spending time with her, it just solidified that thought, this is the woman I want to marry. So I was never really confused um, when it came to relationships, but I've sat in my office with many young men and women confused as to whether or not they should ask so-and-so out or if they should continue in that relationship. We all go through periods of life when we are confused. Do I take that job? Do I leave my current job? Do I start up a new business? Do we sell the house now? Do we buy this house? There are times in life when we're just simply confused. We don't know which way to go. It's hard for us to decide. Do I go down this road or do I go down this road? We're confused. I've come to find out 
that most of the time that we're confused is because of one of two reasons, and sometimes both reasons are in play. The first, we lack information. We're ignorant to certain facts. We're just not sure. We just don't know enough about the situation. Therefore, I'm confused. I don't know what to pick. I don't know which road to choose. Sometimes it's the other extreme. We have too much information, right? Have you ever heard of paralysis by analysis? You overanalyze something so much. You have so much information. You're confused. You don't know which road to go. Sometimes you have both at play. Sometimes you lack information. Sometimes you have too much information. There are times when the facts that you have might contradict each other. And so you're confused as to which direction you should go. We've all been there, haven't we? Every one of us has gone through a period in life where you're confused. You're not sure. Do I stay in church? Do I believe in this, in this Christ thing, in this God thing? Is it true? Do I stay in this job? Do I stay in this relationship? What do I do? I'm confused. There was a man that was confused. We read his story in John chapter 3, and I'd like for you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles. John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. His name was Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee, a religious leader, a man of authority, a man of position. John chapter 3, starting with verse 1. I'm reading from the New King James Version Today, John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which we know to be translated as teacher, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Notice that it says that he came by night. If I had to picture Nicodemus, I would probably say a sincere and honest man, one who was searching for truth, one who was wanting to know the realities of life. He had questions and he saw in Christ someone who might have the answers. But he knew what the talk was. He knew what Christ's reputation was. He knew that his colleagues didn't look favorably towards Jesus. And so he came to him by night, maybe trying to protect his own reputation from being associated with this man. So he comes to Jesus by night. He says to him, teacher, which he's already acknowledging that Jesus has something special. There is something different about this man. Maybe he had heard of or maybe had even seen some of his miracles. Maybe he had heard of or maybe he himself had heard Jesus speak. And so he knew that there was something different about Jesus. But he was confused. Why? Well, maybe he didn't know the whole story. The story that he had been told was inadequate, was insufficient. It wasn't the full story. And maybe the information that he had about the coming Messiah was now contradicting the fact that this Jesus isn't fulfilling, this Jesus isn't really 
doing the things that we expected the Messiah to do. So he was confused, contradicting facts here, maybe didn't have all the facts. Nicodemus was confused. He didn't know exactly what to make of this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, the carpenter. Who is this guy? What is he all about? He was confused. And so he comes to Jesus. He says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, has anyone here ever been confused? You've been going through a very difficult time. You're not exactly sure what to make of things. You don't know if if path A or path B is the right one. And then you go to God and you ask God for an answer and you say, you know, God, just show me the way. And then God responds with path C. And you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Not to confuse things even more, but what are you talking about? This is what seems to happen here in verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly. Now, this is an interesting phrase. In in our day, it would probably be like us saying something like, listen, the fact is, listen, I am not joking. Listen, I am speaking the truth. Listen, you need to pay attention. That's what Jesus is saying here. So he looks at Nicodemus and he says, listen, buddy, the fact is, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa. Wow. This is huge. I mean, when I first read this, I was like, whoa, wait a second. I want to see the kingdom of God. So so what does it mean to be born again, right? Right. What's taking place here is one of the most amazing dialogues in all of Scripture. What's taking place here is a theological shift, a theological understanding of the plan of salvation. Here you have these two heavyweights in the realm of theological studies. Nicodemus did not realize that he was going up against the undisputed champion of the universe. And he really didn't make it out of round one. Jesus says to him, you need to understand that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Whoa, wait a second. This is different. This is new. You see, because for Nicodemus and the Pharisees and for most of the people living during that time, to see the kingdom of God meant As long as I obey the law, as long as I do exactly what the Torah says, as long as I go through all the rituals, and as long as I give enough offering, and as long as I go to church enough, and as long as I don't break the law, I will see the kingdom of heaven. And now Jesus comes on the scene, and he changes that theology completely on its head And he says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to tell you a fact. And the fact is that unless a man is born again, he will not see the kingdom of heaven. A theological switch on the plan of salvation. 
Nicodemus responds in verse 4. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Nicodemus has no clue. He has no idea what Jesus is talking about here. Now listen, folks, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to unravel what it means to be born again. We're going to look at closely, more intimately, what it means to be born of water and what it means to be born of the Spirit. So you do not want to miss the rest of this series because it is vital in your journey, in your Christian walk. It is important for you to understand what these two things are. We're going to unravel this as the weeks go by. But let me just kind of give you a big picture here, kind of an overarching theme of what it means to be born again. Simply put, to give your life to Christ. That's what it means to be born again, to give your life to Christ. In other words, to put your trust in him. You are acknowledging him as the creator of the universe. You're acknowledging him as the savior of the world. You're acknowledging him as your Lord. And so you are now putting your trust in him. And you're saying, okay, God, my life is in your hands. You do with it what you will. That's what it means to be born again. He says in verse 4, Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered most assuredly, listen, I tell you a fact. I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do you think Nicodemus is confused at this point? You know, we have the benefit now of of 2,000 years of theological study on the plan of salvation. You know, we have the benefit of the rest of the New Testament that, that talks about what it means to be born again and what it means to be saved by the grace of Christ. We have that benefit, but you need to remember that Nicodemus had none of that. He had the Old Testament, yes, and, and the Old Testament, I believe, also teaches a God of grace and a God who will one day save us by the sacrifice of his son. But they had so perverted and twisted with the Old Testament that they had no understanding of the true plan of salvation. How do I know that this is what Jesus is talking about here? Because of what he continues to say in the rest of the chapter. I'd like for you to pick it up here in verse 14 with me. It says, and as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now here Jesus is making a reference back to the Old Testament, right? This is why I say the Old Testament is full of grace. The Old Testament is full of the plan of salvation. The whole sanctuary, the whole sacrificial system was to try and get the people of Israel to understand that there will one day come a Messiah, a lamb that will die for your sins. Here he makes reference to the serpent that was lifted up on that rod. That anyone remember that 
looked upon that serpent would be healed, would be saved. Jesus says to Nicodemus, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And so here, Jesus is trying to explain to him what it means to be born again. Now in the coming weeks, we're going to look more deeply into what it means to be born again. We're going to look specifically at what it means to be born of water, what it means to be born of the Spirit, but make no mistake about it. The overarching definition of what it means to be born again is to give your life over to Him. To surrender to his sovereignty. To surrender over to his majesty. To surrender over to his love and to his grace. To be born again. Interesting that Jesus said that in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to become as a little child. There again, that imagery of being born again. I like the one that says, you know, that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. There again, the imagery of of something new, of something beginning, surrendering your life over to him. You know, I have parents that tell me all the time, and I see this myself, that children are like sponges, right? They, they're absor- absorbing everything, everything that they see, everything that they hear. They're putting it together. They're piecing it together. And, and they might say something and you, where did they pick that up, right? Can, can you relate? They're, they're like sponges. They're, they're, they're absorbing everything to be born again. Just think about now absorbing the presence of God. Absorbing what he has to say through his word. Absorbing what he has to say through counsel from other Christian believers. When you are born again, it is like you are going back to that blank canvas where now God gets to paint with his brushes the picture that he has in mind for your life. But oftentimes we take the brush from God's hands and we say, you know, God, I think I can do it better. I think I know how to paint my life better than what you're doing. So we put up all these strokes up there and then come to find out, oh no, leads to dead ends, leads to financial turmoil. It leads to broken relationships. And then we find ourselves, God, why, why, why? And he says, just come to me, just be born again and I'll start repainting. I will paint the picture for your life that I've intended for you. Just come to me. A few years ago, I bought Heather an iPad. How many of you have iPads? I'm just curious. Yeah, see, I wish I had invented the iPad. Anyways, I bought Heather an iPad. 
I got home, I set it up, I, you know, put in all the passwords, I synced it up with iCloud so that all her stuff was now on there, and, and, and I give it to her all happy, coming to find out I bought the wrong model. <sighs> yeah, right? So now I have to take that one back. Fortunately, Apple, as most other computers, they have a reset button, right? They have the ability to press a few buttons and have that little device go back to factory settings, right? And so when, when you put it back in the box, it's like no one ever touched it. That's what it means to be born again. Every day, to be born again. And this is why this is something that happens every day. You know, we make mistakes every day, and every day we need to wake up, and we need to be born again. We need to be born again. Now, this isn't to diminish the day that you gave your life to Christ, the day that you were born again. Because I know that there are a lot of Christians out there that remember the month, the day, the year that they were born again. But my friends, I am telling you, being born again is something that needs to happen every day, every morning. And it doesn't diminish the first day that you gave your life to Christ. Just like it doesn't diminish the day that I made a covenant with my wife on October 21, 2001. We celebrate that day every year. It is important to us. But you know what? Every day we get up and we recommit to the relationship. We recommit and we say, you know what, today I recommit that I'm going to be a, a loving husband, an understanding husband, a patient husband. It doesn't take away from that original covenant that we made, but it's a covenant that needs to be renewed every day. And the same is true of Christ. You might remember the day you were baptized. You might remember the day you were sitting in that revival and you heard the, the preacher and you gave your life to Christ on that night. You might remember that. And that is special. That is something that you will carry in your heart for the rest of your life. But giving your life over to Christ, being born again, isn't something that you do once. It is something that we do daily. And so maybe you're here today and you haven't been born again in a while. Maybe it's been several weeks, months. Maybe it's been years that you've been born again. I want to encourage you here in just a few moments to give your life to him again. Be born again today. Let God paint on the canvas of your life. Let your life go back to factory settings. The past is behind you. The sin is behind you. You're living in the present. You're living today. You're being born again. You are giving your life over to him, knowing that your future is secure in him. Our Father in heaven, as we bow our heads to pray, we want to thank you and praise you that you take time to talk to religious leaders and Men in authority, you take time to, to talk to the sick women. You take time to put the child on your lap. Lord, we thank you that you take time for each of us here today. No matter what our journey has been up until now, God, right now you are taking time to spend with each of us. Lord, we thank you 
that through Christ Jesus, our eternity is secured in him. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be born again in him. Lord, today, we raise our hands to heaven, acknowledging our desire to be born again in you. Lord, we thank you and praise you that as you died and as you resurrected, you secured our eternity. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you give us to be born in you again today. Lord, in the coming weeks as we explore a little deeper what it means to be born of the water, born of the Spirit, Lord, help us to understand what it means to be born in you. We oftentimes get too distracted in our deeds, in our do's and don'ts. We somehow think that that matters. God, help us to understand that it is only as we surrender our lives to you that we find the freedom to live the life that you have prepared for us. Lord, we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to Anchor Points with Robert Quintana in part one of Be Born Again. If you would like to hear or share this message and find others like it, you can subscribe to our podcast at ariseforgod.com or by searching Anchor Points on iTunes. You can also follow Anchor Points on Facebook. Next week, Robert Quintana delves deeper into what it means to be born again of water and the Spirit. Because it's giving you the map. It's giving you the key and understanding of how you can make it into the kingdom of God. That's a part of what you'll hear next week as he continues with part two in this series, Be Born Again. We appreciate you listening. This program is produced by Word of Mouth Productions in cooperation with Frederick Seventh-day Adventist Church. And remember, God loves you and wants you to live out his purpose.